Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Cole, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, the man who puts the psi in science, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. Hello, how are you? So we got a great show, do we? Do we? I don't know. <laughs> well, at least I'm not standing out on a remote Welsh hillside this week. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, that I, was I, cool. Yeah. And I've got actually another idea we'll have to talk about. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, you'll love this one. Uh, this isn't the underwater one, is it? Hey, that's an idea. Can you broadcast <laughs> live in a coffin? It's been done. Yeah, it's true. Son of a gun. Dan, Ian, Ian is like the cutting edge. He up leads everybody, right? Nah, well, it was done before Ian. Most Haunted did it. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. The Most Haunted, right? Yeah, they did it on a live for uh, they buried Carl Beatty and the other medium in Shalato. Did they actually dig him up and just leave him there? Uh, actually, funny story about that. They they built this two man coffin for the show, and uh, the bad. idea is oh yeah, that's right, you're British. Yeah, because that one though they were they were burying two people at the same time in the same box, <laughs> and uh, they the, the the lid had a certain weight restriction placed upon it, and they decided that um, for safety reasons, instead of using normal earth, they were using a lightweight earth, a fuller's earth mixture that they, uh, you know, said... You mean uh, kitty litter? Kitty litter, effectively, yeah. Um, so, uh, come the day, and uh, they dug the hole, they put the box in, they put the crew in, and uh, they started to backfill, and then it rained, and it rained, and it rained. And the one good thing about kitty litter is it absorbs moisture. Oh, yeah. and, and about oh, shortly after the after the program went live, there was a bit of a loud cracking sound from inside the coffin, and uh, <clears throat> the link to the coffin was cut, and the excavator was brought back, and they frantically uh, had to scrabble to get the two of them back out again before the lid caved in. Ah, oh, that's too bad. Well, you know, they lived in hope. Because no, maybe they could have broadcast from the other side, you know. You well, know. Fun, well, well, actually, again, yeah, I mean, you know, continuing the funny story, after they cut the broadcast link uh, from the coffin, because obviously they people didn't want to see them, uh, you know, necessarily die on air, um, the producer, Carl, decided that he would, he, he demanded that the link be reestablished because, as he said, if he was going to, if he was going to die, he wanted to do it live on television. So A true trooper, huh? A true trooper to the end. Unfortunately, it wasn't the end. Well, fortunately, I mean to say, slip of the tongue there. Ah, that's interesting. So, um, you know, on that note, Steve, what's like yeah. crazy, crazy for uh, 
I don't know what you said. Are on, are on TV. Are on TV. I have no idea what you said then because you cut out. Oh, I said uh, on that note, what is the craziest thing that are uh, on TV? Uh, well, I'm guessing it's either that or they come up with some crazy experiments. Oh, wait a minute. You weren't in that, so that doesn't count. Uh, no, I wasn't in that one. The craziest one that I uh, was directly involved with was, well, it's not crazy. It was, um, we were doing a show called uh, Paranormal Investigation Live, and the producers, a week or so beforehand, they needed something uh, that looks good visually, but also had some sort of uh, basis of uh, scientific bullshittery behind it, I guess. And uh, what we decided to do, or what I decided to do, because uh, this was being held at Castle Menzies in Scotland, and Castle Menzies has one of the death masks of Bonnie Prince Charlie. Oh, cool. And so what we decided to do, as a, there's an idea, you know, a spirit's attracted to objects, these trigger objects or objects provocateur, provocative objects that, 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 that people often talk about. So we decided to place this um, the death mask into the centre of the room and to place the participants in a chair at the opposite end of the room, so around about 25 feet from the death mask. And the death mask was backlit by a red uh, red light. Uh, we, we chose red because the human eye isn't very good at seeing in red, but can see red. But it, obviously we needed red for the night vision cameras to work most effectively, and so we could also add infrared lighting as well. Um, the idea being that the participant would face the, the death mask, the trigger object, and the space was then filled with a smoke from a smoke jet from a, a smoke machine, a smoke generator. And uh, should a spirit move through the space, it would, of course, <laughs> disrupt the smoke and cause cause the smoke to move. Now, this is not dissimilar, of course, to Richard's idea of Richard Felix's idea of the stone tape device uh, that he came up with some time later, where. Uh, people see smoke, uh, shapes and patterns in the smoke. Now, of course, I knew that people would see shapes and patterns in the swirling smoke. And so what it was, was really, really, it was an experiment in psychology. In, you know, we knew that, I knew that people would see patterns and shapes and interpret them rather like the faces in the fire or the patterns in, in furniture um, fabric. Uh, and... It would, you know, it was an interesting experiment in psychology. But the participants were told, of course, that the ghosts would, as they approached the death mask, as they were summoned towards the death mask, um, the trigger object, that they would disrupt the smoke field. Mm. So uh, that was that was quite interesting. Another occasion we did a, a live infrasound broadcast, um, and we actually ended up with a letter from the broadcasting authority trying to ban the experiment because they considered it was going to be too dangerous. And this was a late night radio show. Another uh, burning witch job. Another burning witch job. Um, this was a late night radio show from Liverpool and we were, we promoted it. We were going to broadcast infrasound because infrasound is sound that you can't normally hear. But um, there are a lot of ideas and theories that, that, kick about on, on the internet. I was reading one only this week that infrasound can uh, create an ambiance and induce ghosts to manifest. So we decided that we would uh, generate infrasound 
live on the radio, which, of course, we couldn't do. It was absolutely impossible uh, because you know we had no control over the speakers that were going to be used on these little portable radios and headphones. And there was no way of, I mean, we could have sent a sine, a sine wave signal, but you know we couldn't have uh, reliably produced um, a 19 hertz or any other low frequency tone anywhere, you know, out in, in the real world. Um, and we asked, we invited people, you know, despite the fact we were told that we shouldn't go ahead with the experiment, we went ahead with the experiment nonetheless and told people that we were now generating this inaudible uh, sound, this ghost tone of 19 hertz, and invited people to call into the radio show with their experiences. And they did. A lot of them did. And, of course, we were doing absolutely nothing, which, again, demonstrates... There's an experiment called the Geller effect, where uh, Yuri Geller, the famous um, Israeli um, mystic, reputedly the, the, the famous spoon bender, but he reputedly could fix watches at a distance. He would get people to pick up a watch, a wristwatch, or some other mechanical device that had broken and hold it in their hand and join with him uh, while he was in a television studio or a radio studio and people would miraculously report that the devices had suddenly, you know, they, they hadn't moved for 20 years or 10 years or five years and they had miraculously started to, to tick again. Now, how that happens is quite well known, uh, quite well understood by physics. There's, there's no mystery. But the fact that people believe that uh, you can influence them at distance became known as the Geller effect. And so what we were really conducting with the radio show was a Geller effect experiment. And we had around about 30 people call in that night with, tales of how that they we told them in advance how they would feel how infrasound might affect them and of course we you know we layered on the, the suggestion and the expectation and um, we were not surprised by the number of people that phoned in so uh, you, you can know have what, some no, Steve, that, that's intriguing because you know recently i took uh, dr ang's spoon bending class mm -hmm. okay so i mean i know all you know, I've seen the, you know, Redman uh, and uh, who's the other, Randy and all that stuff. And you know what? I didn't have that with me. I mean, I just did it as as an experiment. And I could bend these stupid heavens. And it was, you know, pretty uh, interesting. And And the idea was that it wasn't, that you used a lot of force. It wasn't that you used uh, force. I may have to admit there was a little bit. Um, but these were <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because you went from there was no force to I have to admit there was Well, you know, you have it in your hand, so you're exerting a force on it anyway. So, I oh, mean, okay. that's, that's clearly evident. Oh, so, okay. I mean, that's, that's why I corrected myself. But, I mean, it was like, you know, the, the you just picked it up and, and it bent. Uh, there were other times you held on to it, and it reached a certain point, and you could just feel it, and it would bend, twist, whatever. And it wasn't like you sitting there rubbing it or anything. You would just pick up the the spoon and do it. And there were a whole series. There was like seven different ways to bend it, and and the ways that you did it were, you know, really like mumble jump this can really do it and that's the way I went into it. it's going to really work and 
you know, it, it, it did. And I can't, I really can't explain uh, that, you know, they, of course he quotes quantum physics, but uh, I really can't explain how this was done. I mean, I, I'll show you the, the, uh, the spook, the flocks, excuse me, when you're at the end of the month and uh, you can look at them and, and I think you'll be impressed. I mean, like I said, I, I really can't explain how I did it. So, I don't know. It's it's intriguing. That's why we, I love doing this stuff. There's so many things that you think you can explain, and it really pisses me off about skeptics and everything. They had one thing, or, you know. Say say in these uh, these Falkbinder things, they they read Randy or they they saw a Wiseman. They said, "Oh, I know how you do it. You do this." Like, no, that's not just because you know it's done that way, and and you know that in your own investigating. Well, the fact every, that you, every, no, every phenomenon is, is not you can probably duplicate sometimes, but there are some times you just can't figure it out. Well, of course, there are times when you can't figure it out. But also you hit on something very important, though, which is the fact that because you can explain or replicate something, it doesn't necessarily always follow that that was the method that the other person used. So, for example, a lot of people were throwing dust around. Uh, cinnamon dust was was quite uh, a popular thing to ch chuck into the air in front of cameras uh, to try and replicate the orb phenomena in the early days. And ASAP here in the UK conducted a number of experiments where they were throwing cinnamon dust and flour and all sorts of stuff at the at the in front of the camera. And of course, they made very very good orbs. But I, I you know at the time I said I thought we may be convinced it was dust, but. You know, I don't recall a single investigation where I walked into a room full of cinnamon dust um, or have anybody within, you know, the investigation throwing cinnamon dust. So right. just because you can do it, uh, you can show that it was done in a particular way doesn't necessarily always follow that the other person used that precise method. Um, right. Now, I, I know we've spoken briefly about the spoon bending off air, um, and I, I mentioned that there was the existence of... Uh, uh, a book by Professor John Taylor, a UK professor of physics, uh, called Superminds. And he, he he studied this phenomena of spoon bending. Um, and he came out very much in favor of, of the um, potential for people to have some sort of extra normal ability to bend spoons and to do other strange things. What I was talking about before, the Geller effect, this effect at distance and, and, how, it, and how it is understood. Uh, because if you if you it doesn't work for everybody, but if you had say you know, ten ten uh, wristwatches of mechanical watches of ceased working, or even battery operated ones, um, and you, you you put them in a drawer and forget about them, and then years later or months later you take them off and you, you hold them in your hand, oftentimes the heat from your hand will be sufficient to generate you know uh, that last residual uh, charge. Or just warm the grease, or and allow the thing to tick for a few minutes, or or a little while. I, you know, many a time I picked up an old watch and shook it, or or handled it, and it suddenly started to move. So they were attributing that that to Geller and what we were doing. I mean, you always. Uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay, so you know, you have. People that have something that have, well, let, let's go back to orbs again. You know, the old, uh, I understand 99% of orbs are not paranormal, but take a look at this. You know what I mean? So I remember uh, 
uh, Willie, a good friend of yours and I, mine, uh, from uh, Spirit Quest Radio. And he, he was in my paranormal class one day, you know, talking about the sob that happened. And, uh, you know, he, he was doing a, this thing in this haunted location. And then uh, one of the investigators got up and left the room. Then all of a sudden, an knob came up from the floor and followed. I mean, I gave my explanation of what, you know, once again, I was not there, but my explanation of what could have happened. And, uh, you know, that's the way I looked at it. Uh, can I tell you, okay, that wasn't a ghost or anything, not that Bob's are ghost, Steve, so don't even go there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although, if you look at some of my early stuff, you might find something there. Uh, I but, might. I might. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there are, you've got to understand the whole environment, not only what you can see, can see. I mean, I, I believe that that orb was, was basically a, a dust particle uh, formed by a thermal jetty, basically, and, and a, a, the velocity of the person leaving the room and displacing air, and that's why it followed him. Uh, pretty much, you know, like a, 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 a drag on, on, like, if you go in race cars and, and the car uh-huh. behind you goes really close to you, and it's because they get that drag. So it's it's intriguing stuff. It really is, and I, like I said, I like that's I like doing it. But you know, if if I, if you give me, you know, ask me to give you my opinion, I'm going to give you my opinion for what it's worth. Uh, you know, it's not it's not you know uh, absolute proof or, or whatever. It's not God's creed. Uh, so that's the the the, the uh, thin line that I think you and I walk. I think we, we, since you've raised the subject of orbs, I, you know, we, we chuckled a little bit about, you know, go back a few years. But if you go back a few years, go back uh, through Parasites' archive, and you'll discover that way, way, way back in the late 1990s, when we first encountered the phenomena, it had us completely nonplussed as well, because it's something we hadn't encountered. And it was a new phenomena. And we also... Um, I, I, you know, at the time, we were quite going down the line of were believing it to be something potentially paranormal. Uh-huh. I think what spoiled it, though, where, where the question first arose was the fact that it became too frequent, that we were discovering them uh, almost on every location that we visited. And that at the same time, there was one or two other groups around the world, and there were, you know, there were a lot less groups back then. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but there was a group in the USA who were also discovering a similar phenomena. And we thought, well, you know, it just doesn't sit right. It's just not comfortable that this phenomena, um, either the digital camera is, you know, the, the ultimate ghost hunting tool that we've been right. desiring for such... In other words, we, we invented a technology that yeah. now we can uh, see these, or perhaps it's a flaw in the technology. Exactly. It was, it was just too good to be true, and so that's when we started to test the technology to find out what other explanations it could be. The very, you know, our very first encounters, and it's documented on the Parascience website, but our very first encounters with orbs... We, we wrote to the camera makers, and they, they were just as intrigued, and they said, well, there's no fault with the camera, because there isn't. Um, and, you know, they hadn't really encountered the phenomena themselves, and yet nowadays, of course, they put them in the instruction manuals, um, you know, a warning about these white dots that might appear on photographs uh, taken with flash. 
So it, it's simply as, as knowledge advances, the understanding advances, and with with the big experiment, of course, the one that, you know, um, I think finally for me re- uh, laid the orb to rest, was the fact that we did a proper controlled experiment that put it beyond the realm of... Uh, Anybody could replicate it, and the the evidence was overwhelming. There was no questions left in terms of, with digital cameras um, and only digital photography, you know, only photography. Uh, the experiment only related to uh, photographic and video orbs, um, but we didn't see any any anomalies. Every single one of the more than two thousand image pairs that were taken using the stereo camera um, demonstrated. An expected outcome, and there was nothing that that you know caught us out. Uh, nothing that that didn't conform to our hypothesis. Um, so, what you have there is on balance of probability with a very high sample rate, uh, you have a very likely explain explanation for um, a plausible, you know, uh, phenomena. Right, and but you know, I think you. That's how science works. Yeah, I think you touched on it in the beginning, though, when you talked about psychology, how, how it plays such an important part in it. And we, you and I always like to make fun of the parapsychologists, even though you are one. But that's besides the point. Uh, we, we, it's, there is a psychology factor in ghost hunting. Why would, you know, do you have, like, you know, six people standing there and only one will see a ghost or, or mm-hmm. you know, one, only one will be... Uh, you know, smell something or, or hear something. So the, there is a psychology effect in it. And, and psychology in the power of the mind is extremely powerful. Oh, you know, you. that's, have, you know, we have healings and, you know, faith healings and, and miracles other things. Uh, sometimes they're just normal day occurrences, but these normal day occurrences mean so much to that particular person that it, it creates power to these normal day occurrences. Yeah, I mean, not just psychology. I mean, that's powerful, but you also have physiology. Uh, people, you know, we've grew, we've evolved to trust our senses. God gave us five senses, um, and we've evolved to trust them. We have to trust them. You wouldn't be able to get very far, you know, across an intersection or, you know, <laughs> across a road if you didn't trust your senses to tell you that that truck was coming your way. Um, and you have, you know, a judgment to make based upon those senses. So you... We are you know, hardwired to trust our senses, and our senses can be fooled. They can be they can be tricked, and not just in a psychological sense, but uh, with with a lot of phenomena. Um, for example, infrasound and electromagnetic uh, electromagnetic fields, they can affect us physio- uh, our physiology. So they can affect um, how we uh, how our body responds physically. They can make us sweat. They can make us tired. They can make us. They can increase or decrease the heart rate. Uh, now, in the absence of any other stimulus, and with the with the you know a little bit of you're in a haunted house on an investigation, the sudden fact that you feel fearful and sweaty or tired or um, some other physical effect, you get a headache, your ears pop, you start to attribute that naturally to the things that you can't explain, the paranormal things, because you can't sense them in any normal way. You can't hear infrasound waves. You can't taste them. You can't smell them. Um, So if they're there, and if the other uh, phenomena 
you know, our suggestion is, and expectation is built up to such a degree, then you, the attribution is going to be a paranormal attribution. Yeah, it's it's very intriguing, and it's not. It's like the paranormal is not just one science; it's many sciences melded together. I think. Well, I've always said it's it's a, it requires a multidisciplinary approach. Uh, you know, much like a, a, you know, you you need sociology, you need psychology, you need uh, physiologists, you need historians, you need field uh, researchers who can measure things properly and accurately, and understand the measurements they're making. Uh, you know, all of those will contribute towards a good quality investigation. This idea that parapsychologists are uniquely qualified, um, you know, we've discussed many times and you know, we, you know, they're just not, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're highly specialist in some areas and we use their, their skills a lot and we can draw a great deal from parapsychology research and studies, but they're not very well equipped to go and measure stuff or to investigate a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the public uh, per, um, perception of parapsychologists, because they're always trotted out on the shows, aren't they, as, as the, the expert. Right. And, and that purely comes from the media, you know, this idea that they are the expert in parapsychology. Um, and therefore, you know, they have the final word. And they end up fooling themselves into believing that they can do this. Uh, you know, there are many parapsychologists... Who make who are excellent investigators because they're multi-skilled, but there are many parapsychologists who believe that they, you know, they are the final arbiter of good taste when it comes to any form of ghost investigation or haunted house study. Right, and that that would be like saying, you know, um, I went to the dentist because it said doctor in front of his name, and he did, you know, some open heart surgery on me. Right. Yeah. I'm- myself when the ghost chronicles uh book came out and, and the subtitle is is a uh, a medium and a para and a uh, paranormal scientist and you know that i didn't choose that title by the way the the uh the publisher did but you know a lot of people said there's no such thing in a paranormal but in a way there is and at least i look at myself is that okay i have my degree in environmental science which is what steve do you know Yes, I know what environmental science is. It's basically the study of... So, uh, you know, that gives me a, a broad base, but does it make me a particular expert in one particular science? Of course not, but it gives me an understanding of the things that can be involved. So, you know, I wear that you know, that degree. With that. It's not a parapsychology degree, but uh, once again, we taught, you and I have talked about it before, it's not necessarily that that's good or bad, but it is. It's the methodology. Science is a methodology. It's right. not a, it's not, you know, a monkey can do science. Science, anybody can go off and do science. Science is just a, a logical process. Right, absolutely. And I know we're coming up to the break, and there is the music. So you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick. And we'll be right back uh, after the following message right here on Tojanet Paradox. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. 
the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Ghost Chronicles International. Oh. Yeah. And you out. listen to us on ParaX, Toginet, and whatever else you're listening to us on, I guess. I have most, no idea most, anymore. Most likely you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or something else. I have no else. idea. I have no idea. Well, providing they're listening, both of them. Whatever. So, um, yeah, as I was saying before the break, science. Science is, you know, you get this a lot with parapsychologists, and Dr. Kieran O'Keefe naming names is what is the biggest culprit um, for saying it's prefixing. When called upon to give a sceptical response, prefixing it with, well, speaking as a scientist. Yeah, that's scientism. That's using science. Well, at least he didn't say speaking as a parapsychologist. Uh, he has done, um, <laughs> but that's using you know this is the idea of scientists being somewhat better than the norm uh-huh. uh, is misleading because science is actually just a methodology, a series of steps that are logically applied, uh, a process that you go through to reach a conclusion. Does he wear his uh, cap and gown for interviews? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but so sci- this idea that, you know, the ordinary person, the ordinary investigator can't do science is is misleading. But what's just as misleading is this idea that you get from investigators who say we use scientific methods. What they actually mean is and then refer, you know, then they refer directly to <laughs> then they refer to their equipment toy box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
now they're just as guilty as you know the the scientist saying speaking as a scientist and then equating you know science to something some sort of dark mysterious art that you have to be taught to use um that science involves only the use of technology technology can be applied to science but technology can be applied to very poor practices as well um so science is a series of logical steps. There are only half a dozen, um, and it's something that we're all taught at high school. When we, when, you know, when we uh, do um, cl science classes at high school, we we understand the scientific method. It's something that a high school kid can understand. You know, you come up with, you observe a phenomenon, and you come up with an idea. Um, then you test the idea by experimentation, and you see what the results are, and then you. You perhaps modify the experiment and, and do some more testing, and then you reach a conclusion. And you you lay out you know all of the different steps and the equipment and the methods that you use to reach that conclusion, so that somebody else can come along and that they can follow uh, the logical progression of your experiment. People don't do that. No, they don't do that. They run around no. like crazy, like crazies in dark. With in fact, this week. Um, but even even if they are doing good science for the quotations, then mm -hmm. they won't even publish their work. They won't make their work available so that someone could attempt to duplicate it or, or whatever. They just, everything is propriety to them. Well, yeah, yes, I understand what you're saying, but I would, I would also say that whilst the experiment might be valid, um, it's not worthy because they're not reporting the methodologies correctly. So what they will do is say, for oh, example, they, okay, what they what they get, they will get a photograph, for example, and then they will quote analyze it and decide uh, based upon their analysis that it is abnormal, it's paranormal. And usually, and by they, the way, it's by the same person who took the photograph. Well, or they have a photographic expert within the group. Yeah, right. Um, Stand next to him when he took the photograph. <laughs> what they don't lay out is what method they used to analyze the photograph. What steps did what what software did they use? What steps did they take? They didn't lay out the method, so nobody can come along afterwards and go through the same process with the original um, file and and see if they uh, reach the same end results and same conclusion. That's how science works, but investigation groups don't work like that. They they like to think of, they like to maintain this mystique and aura of good practice by saying, you know, we have someone in the group who is a sound engineer. We mm -hmm. have someone in the group who is, a, who is a photo analyst. Now, a forensic sound uh, analyst, someone who de uh, interprets things like the flight data recorder. The, voice, the sorry, the cockpit voice recorders of uh, uh, following airplane crashes. Uh, that is a very, very highly skilled uh, qualification that requires many years of training and some very advanced software. To, uh, you can't simply throw a, an EVP file into Audacity and then tinker well, around. Well, I was just going to—I was just going to mention that, and that if you speak to some of the EVP specialists out there, they will get these files and they'll go through them and uh, with audacity. And and you and I might not hear anything or, or not hear what they're telling us we should be hearing, but uh, they will tell us, "Well, you know, I have been doing this for 25 years. I have developed mm -hmm. an ear for it, pretty much mm -hmm. like your expert the other way, though. How is that wrong?" 
Well, what's wrong is the fact that I, I don't have any problem with their claim, and nobody would have. But where the issue is, is they don't explain the methodology. They're not showing the workings out. Yes, they're using Audacity. That's fine. So I've got the copy, so that's fine. Give me the original file and show me what did you do for step one, then step two, step three, step four, step five, and see at the end of it. Then I can play that to so many people uh, without priming them beforehand about what it says and see if I get similar results. That's how science works. Simply messing about with the filters in Audacity, till because invariably, um, in many, you know, when you look at the uh, report, they uh, end up turning the file into what they all, you know, what they had pre-decided, pre-judged it was going to sound like, and then they end up tweaking the file. I was reading this week, only this week, uh, one group in the UK giving instructions on how to analyze EVP files. And they quoted, uh, you know, their method included um, boosting the gain by 400% and playing it, playing the recording backwards. Oh, good. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. see, I'm sure you like, can hear something there. Uh, well, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's them giving helpful advice. But only by a trained ear. Well, that's them giving helpful advice to another group. Another group, when challenged over the fact that the thermal imager was, they were able to capture uh, these these spirits on therm that only manifested on thermal imager. That's cool. Um, they were challenged by another group who used who had exactly the same model of thermal imager as they did, and said, "Well, we're not getting any of these." The response was, "The person using the thermal imager has to be a psychic." <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, you know I have nothing against <sighs> Absolutely nothing. You know that I play with that myself, and I, I find it intriguing. But, uh, okay, that's that's really good. I like because, that. well, the ra the rationale was, of course, that the, the person who being psychic was acting as a beacon to attract the spirits toward the thermal imager, sort of like a, a weird go to the light. Um, I have seen so effect. many mediums and psychics uh, do photograph work, and you would think that they would be able to nail the ghost all the time, but uh, it doesn't well, play out that way. No, what, what, I've always Some had, do. I mean, they do get one. You know, I mean, if you, you if know you, when uh, we've had psychics on the show. You, really? Well, you know when we've had psychics on the show, the question I always like to ask them is, yeah, you know, they know, um, or they claim to know when a spirit is present. So why right. the heck are they even there looking for spirits and trying to convince anybody else? Because, you know, if... If they can see and communicate, or if they can communicate with the dead and intrinsically know that they're there and that their belief system is such that they know that they're there, um, why bother investigating? And the usual response is, well, I'm a skeptical um, medium and I like to explore all of the scientific options. Well, I'll tell you now, if I had the ability to see the dead and to see spirits and ghosts around me, I wouldn't give a monkey's jump about trying to convince anybody else. Uh, yeah, you know, and I wouldn't be using the scientific method. You know? uh, so it's always sort of baffled me um, as to why they go to such extraordinary lengths to so run around with K2 meters. And what even baffles me even more is the <laughs> amount of times I've seen a psychic jump with surprise um, or reel back in, you know, fear when confronted with an apparent spirit. You know, well, you know, they of all people should be the least surprised by the intervention of a ghost in a room. Because, you know, hey, if anybody knows it's there, you guys do. There you go. <laughs> so why jump? 
So we have a request to, uh, to uh, by the way, tell a joke. Do you know any jokes? Do I know any jokes? So tell me a pran- prante. Yeah, so tell me a joke. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. Well, it's not a joke, but it will be. Um, in a couple uh, of weeks. Coming, anything to come, do with paranormal, by any chance? It is. Coming soon to uh, British television is a special, a celebrity live ghost investigation, um, which is sure to be a joke, judging by the pictures that they've been putting up on uh, the Twitter feed this this uh, past week of them testing the equipment, which included a ghost arc and a Huff Paranormal Wonderbox. So you can see where that's going to go. A ghost arc? Wait a minute. They're, they're, yeah. There aren't any existing, are there? Uh, there yeah. were. There were. Well, not according to anybody that's got one. Um, but they've obviously you know, got access to the world's only working ghost arc. Um, and a Huff Paranormal Wonder Box. Of course, Steve Huff has just retired from the paranormal because he's fed up of being attacked by demons. Uh, I don't um, know. So he's... He's after a while. Well, you know, he said it, you know, he had to think of himself and his family, so he's jacked it in. Um, yeah, so their equipment that they were testing ahead of the uh, broadcast, um, which I think is the week after next, involved a Huff Paranormal Wonder Box and a Ghost Ark. That's wow, a, I might just watch this to see the fabulous. So there you go. So there you I've, go. I've never. And, and all, there's a joke, or it I've will be. Yeah. So anyway, knock knock. Francis who's says, there? "Who's there? Who's there? H. 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 Who? Oh, we're gonna wait for that bit. We have to wait for that. H. H. Who? Yeah, there's, there's a delay. 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 <laughs> oh my God! Ron suddenly become Australian. What? Excuse me. You just became Australian with it. I did. H who? I did it. Yeah. We're waiting. And if this well, is obscene, we're going to blow you up. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. So, well, yeah, we've got this. And, that, that fabulous. And, um, it involves the same show. God involves... bless you. Uh, that's as old as I am, by the way, Steve. Well, God bless you. H who? Yeah. H who? Bless you. H who? Oh, God bless you. Oh, it's still funny. funny after all these years. It is, and it was, yeah, was, yeah, it you know. lost a little bit in translation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why the more I throw the clock out the window? I don't know. You wanted to see time fly? That's not paranormal. Uh, yeah, time, time. Have we, have we come down to this now on the show? I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I get that ADH stuff, and I, I get distracted very easily, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, there goes that. Maybe we ought to play that piece. You want to play that piece? <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think we need to save the day with episode 14 of The Teller of Curious Tales. So, uh, Ben, if you can uh, set that up, uh, we'll play episode 14 before I come up save with Save the podcast. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. Do you believe in the devil? When man lived in caves, long before he could write, he scraped crude pictures on the walls of his home. Among these uncouth drawings 
we find sketches of demons and devils. For the belief in the evil spirit, in Satan, dates back to the dawn of mankind. It's a universal belief too, for wherever we find human life, we find this belief. The devil may go by a thousand names, but his description is the same in China, in Iceland, in Timbuktu, or right in our own backyard. Dante says in describing him, Ah, what a fierce cruelty his look bespake. In act how bitter he did seem, with wings buoyant outstretched, and feet of nimble's tread. His shoulder proudly eminent and sharp, was with a sinner charged. By his horn she held him, the foot sinew gripping fast. The gong strikes, my time is up. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. But on my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. Until then, sleep tight. (laughs) (laughs) So, why did we have that one when we did the show on hell in The Devil? Well, the... We didn't, <laughs> we didn't, it would have been write a, Yeah, but the thing is, it, it's, yeah, it's a 1950s radio series. We didn't write it. We're just delivering it as it was done. I know, but it would have fit perfect in that show. I can't help that. It's not my fault. Ooh. Not my fault either. Anyway, um, yeah, at least it saved us from the bad jokes. I don't know. Thank <laughs> the devil for that. I'm feeling another one. Oh, God. I could always uh, come up with Richard Felix's goat joke. Goat busters. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, continuing. We're, we're meeting soon, aren't we? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Okay, are you reading too? Uh, <laughs> no, I said we're meeting soon, aren't we? Are we? Uh? We have some events planned. I don't know. Somebody writing stuff it always brought my attention. <laughs> yes, that's true. In a few short weeks, Steve Parsons will be at my side. Oh, my God. Uh, right here in the United States of America, right here at Spirit Quest, where I am now, by the way, in uh, the VZ Memorial Park for a special edition of Spirit Quest, Houdini and Doyle. <laughs> How was that? Was that good? Uh, except for the laugh at the end. That one, oh, yeah. I, I try to work on that. Ah. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because we've got some... Uh, I've finished all the uh, getting all the stuff ready, so... Uh, oh, I didn't yeah. tell you about the new talk, right? So, oh, God, what new talk? <laughs> <laughs> no Anyways, more. No you'll more. also... Edit- in addition to that, you'll be doing Dining with the Dead, the Cabinet of Curiosity at the Wyndham yeah, Restaurant. That's the one I've been working on most recently. And I'm bringing some curiosities for your cabinet. I have some and, curiosities for you, too. And some, some of the curiosities, of course, are just too dangerous to bring. Really? So they're going to appear by the <laughs> <laughs> You know, she listens to the podcast. Oh, no, please don't say that. <laughs> Steve made me do it. <laughs> it was the devil. Now, there, anyway. are some, there are some objects like the. Uh, well, I'm not going to spoil it. You have to be there. No, no, no. Um, you can't. No, don't say anything about it. But we, say it. we added a new event. But they can't come. Right. We added a new event, which is October a, 7th. A ghost hunt at, of course, the Papa Lighthouse. And I can only tell you. 
the amount of rigmarole that I had to do to get this to uh, go through. Uh, the Coast Guard has become extremely uh, difficult in allowing people on their base at night, which, you know, I don't blame them with their, all the crap that's going on in the world. So, uh, yeah, that will be, uh, when did I say it was? October 7th. October 7th, right. So Steve Parson will be joining me. At Newcastle, Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse, and Fort Constitution. Constitution. Uh, a location that I, 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 I've been chivying you to get for the, since uh, uh, was it the year before last when we last visited Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse, because something intriguing took place. And, I, we were caught, and we were caught out for a complete lack of sound recorders. Only this time we won't be caught out by not having a complete lack of sound recorders, will we? Because when we go into the lighthouse keeper's cottage, we will take Which an is now off, off bounds. Oh. All right. Well, we still got Fort Constitution and the lighthouse. <laughs> we and get the lighthouse. I was watching. I was watching Jeremy Dontremont's video about the the lighthouse and the talk he gave to one of the libraries in um, uh, one of the library talks that, that Jeremy did on haunted lighthouses and particular Portsmouth Harbour. And it's a fascinating building in its own right, one that I actually haven't really had an opportunity to investigate because the, the two times I've been previously have both been focused on Fort Constitution yeah, and, and, the, and the Lighthouse Keeper's uh, Cottage. Yeah, um, but I'm quite content because I want to revisit Fort Constitution anyway because um, it's, it's a place of um, death and intrigue. And yeah. the blowing uh, and the the raspberry blowing ghost, colonial ghost. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we that's, also have, a, we also have another stipulation yeah. too, which has just been added to our, yeah. our ghost time, and that is no Ouija boards. Well, I can't disagree with that. I don't see what purpose they serve. Well, who asked you, anyways? <laughs> Me. It's one thing between whether you. You think they would have any purpose? It's another thing to automatically ban them. Um, I don't recall we ever used them, did we? Uh, and, and and all in all fairness, I think of all the investigations. Now I've been investigating Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse since two thousand five. So what is that like? Uh, Twelve years or something? Thirteen years? Yeah. And and uh, I can only recall uh, once that we used it and. Hey, we got some actually interesting results from it, which is... I, I have no recollection of it being used on any of my visits, nor any no, desire no, you, or planning weren't to there. use it. You weren't there. I just didn't want to deal with you. Is that the time when you went with the uh, the gossiping lady? With the lady with no, the no, 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 no. But that was interesting because that was a daytime ghost hunt, even though the poor old dear could barely get up the steps. Yeah. In fact, like she didn't in the end, did she? She got a third of the way up there and stopped by a window and was out of completely completely out of breath and then they cut to Jeremy who was also completely out of breath <laughs> mm. which is quite fun which is interesting but uh, that yeah. being said uh, our seven. first investigation of Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse was done in 2005 it was actually the first investigation of the lighthouse and um, we are finally going to give it away in our new book that Maureen and I's new book that's coming out called The Ghost Files, which will be out in 2018. And uh, that investigation is in there. So, Plus several others, including Turtle Mound and uh, the 
1859 house and a lot of other cool places. Well, all I can, well, all I can, all I can add is um, it was at my persistence and begging that we're going persistence. back to Port, yeah. persistent begging yeah. persistence. that we're going back to Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse. Like at Evelyn's in you. You obviously did. If you're uh, if you're in New England on and around October seventh, uh, then head up to Newcastle, get onto the anyghostproject.com letter, and uh, you know the bloody thing. Um, yeah, but the uh, yeah. the ghost center's not quite uh, up on there. If you go to the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse website, okay. which is it is up on there. I just have to have it. Uh, but on my end, but Google. unfortunately. Google, unfortunately, I have been. Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse Ghost Hunt. You'll find it. You found it. it. You've no, found you'll it. find it. You'll yeah. find it. Is that my picture? And that I, does. given that it's so difficult, it might be one of the last ever opportunities you get to you know investigate the paranormal yeah. at Portsmouth Harbour. You're absolutely right. We used to allow uh, other groups go in and investigate it, but uh, the, that was uh, squashed by the Coast Guard, and uh, we no longer do that and haven't done that for quite a few years. But that was not by us. That was by the, the Coast Guard. Uh, they trust us, and that's the only reason we're allowed on the, the base. So, and, and also, we take care of their lighthouse. So, <laughs> so it could be the last possible chance to investigate Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse and Fort Constitution in Newcastle, Portsmouth, um, New England, just over it, the way from Kittery. You know, what's, what's extremely interesting is that we do the haunted tours there uh, one night a month. Uh, during the summer, and uh, every time we we just keep getting more and more stories from uh, people on the tours and and uh, the Coast Guard themselves. And in fact, we had one from a woman uh, Coast Guard uh, person who was stationed there almost uh, I think twenty years ago or whatever it was, and she swears that. When she uh, would go out at night, uh, well, when she went out at night on this particular night, and uh, she looked at the fort, and there was a man in Revolutionary God, Gob, standing God at the fort, and she saw him several times. So eventually, she she talked to other members of the Coast Guard, and they said, uh, you know, that they had cedar as well. So it's always intriguing to me that that a full apparition is 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 like my my favorite thing other than being you know picked up and thrown across the room or something but uh well right? maybe you'll get lucky this yeah, time. yeah you know whatever i mean the uh that's that's the other thing we talk you, you see all these hollywood things of uh people being tossed about the room in all your time investigating and how long you've been investigating steve approaching 40 years now Forty years, right? Yeah. And uh, mine is probably uh, closer to twenty or twenty-five, somewhere around there. And I'll be honest with you, I've gone on exorcisms. Wow, there you go. End of the day it goes. I've gone on exorcisms and, and everything, and I have never ever seen anybody be tossed around a room. There's a lot of people who thought they've been touched, and of course, there's the infamous scratch markers, but uh, marks. But I, I don't see too many people being tossed about. Well, I've never encountered anybody being scratched. Um, really? Certainly, yeah, certainly a few claimants are being pushed or touched, uh, but I've never seen anybody physically assaulted. Um, oh, you know, if we can arrange that for you next week, next time you thrown. come. I think it would be interesting. I, you know, bring it on. Um, because <laughs> Famous last words. Bring it on because it fascinates me that people report it, and it's not something that I have um, experienced. 
I can, I've experienced or can relate to because it just seems pure Hollywood. And it does. It, you know, once again, we talked about psychology to be in the show, and I think that's where we're going to end it. But anyways, that was the uh, pizza from the dead. So we've got to wrap it up. Check out my website, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Neghostproject.com. All Steve's events will be on there. There's uh, several of them up there now. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in a few short weeks. Uh, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Is it? About three weeks. Panic time. Yeah. No, three weeks. Uh, yeah, three weeks tomorrow I will be departing the United Kingdom. Three weeks tomorrow. Uh, so you early. have three weeks and one day till I get there. Oh, no. Uh, no, you don't. I arrive on the Wednesday evening, so it's three weeks tomorrow. Oh, you can't ride it. When I'm sure on Wednesday. You'll have to change that. Oh, okay. I'll get British Airways onto it. <laughs> Can they, like, circle around for a little bit? Till yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I think we're about done here. I, I believe there's no, there's a few more seconds. Anything you want to add? Check out Steve's uh, website. Uh, well, we're also at Circles of Wisdom, aren't we? Doing some interesting stuff with electronic voice phenomena, phenomena, If you say so. There's the tunes. We got to go. So, thank you all for listening to all <laughs> two of you. And uh, tune in next week when we'll have some more chit chat and whatever. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.